Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number 8 and verse 1, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, and notice the reason for this, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land. In other words, possess the promise which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manta, which thou knewest not, neither did thy father Fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, or bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider thine heart that, as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord Thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring up out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. I want to look at that last verse again as Moses is given a warning here. He says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments. How would we not remember him? By not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. And I simply want to speak from this subject for the next little while, teach tonight, spiritual amnesia, spiritual amnesia. We want the Lord to help us. Would you pray that he would anoint us here tonight, both You and I, as we join together in laboring in God's Word, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity 
that we have to come and receive from your word. And I pray that we can receive everything that you have purpose for us to receive here tonight. I pray that you would bless your word to each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would do these things. And we thank you for it. And the church said, Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. How soon they forget uh, is more than just a cliche. It's more than just a proverb that we use. But we see that lived out every day in this world. Sports fans forget coaches that have won the title the previous year. Children forget the sacrifices of their parents. Students forget their teachers. We suffer many kinds of amnesia. We forget names. We forget dates. We forget places. We even forget sometimes friends, old friends that we haven't seen for a long while. We forget their names. Maybe you've had an occasion to be at a family reunion, and you know you should know. How many's ever been in that type of a situation? You know you should know their name, but because you have not conversed with them in such a long time, you've not been around them in such a long time, you forget uh, and you don't remember their name. And uh, so we, we suffer amnesia on many different levels. And fortunately for most of us, the things that we forget it's not at all serious. It's not something that is detrimental. However, forgetfulness in the spiritual realm is a very serious matter. And it's something that we want to address here tonight. In Deuteronomy, Moses gave his farewell address. If you really, really want to call it that way, this is sort of his last will and testament. These are some last instructions and maybe some last things that he's going to leave to them for them to adhere to. He's been their leader now for many years. He has led them for the last 40 years through the wilderness experience and now it is coming time for his passing and with that passing the transfer of leadership to Joshua who will Soon thereafter, lead them into the promises of God. Lead them into the promised land. And so as you read through this book of Deuteronomy, which is a very unusual name, some of us have a difficult time pronouncing it, but there is a theme that reemerges and that reoccurs over and over again through Deuteronomy as you read the various chapters. And it is simply the word remember. Remember, as he is calling their attention to certain facts and certain things. He's uh, trying to underscore certain things that they need not to forget for their own spiritual benefit and for them to be prolonged. He gives them instructions, and you'll see this emerge time and time again, that they may live and their days may be prolonged in the land. In other words, you've moved out of Egypt and in that period when you were proven there was 40 years in the wilderness, that was a different lifestyle, of course, than living in Egypt. But now you're going to have to make another transition. 
You're going to step into the promises and the blessings of God. And you're going to have to remain humble about it. You're going to have to remember who brought you to this point. You're going to have to remember to adhere to the commandments of God and not deviate from them and not allow yourself to, in the blessings of God, to get to the place that you fail to remember Him and live for Him with the same faith and the same diligence, the same level of commitment, if you will, that you had while you were in uh, the wilderness and then the same level of faith that it took to bring you out of Egypt. And uh, as I begin to read this passage in verse number 2, it says, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And then he lists three different things that God allowed to happen in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart. And humbling experiences of life have a way of revealing what is in a person's heart. It magnifies what is in our heart. And he said, I want to know before I entrust blessings upon you, i got to know what is in your heart. I've got to purge the impurities out, everything that would uh, cause you anything, any residue that is there of Egypt, your former life, it's got to be purged out. Any unbelief that is there, it's got to be purged out because I'm bringing you into the promises of God. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. He allowed them to go through a period of time when they wondered where their provision was going to come from. He allowed them to go through a period of time that they wondered where they were going to find sustenance, where they were going to find food to eat. Even this very basic need uh, that uh, if, you, if you study anything about human nature and, and, and the history of societies, I know a lot of us, we, we think of getting food, we think of going down to the neighborhood Walmart or we think of going to Albertsons or Super One or wherever it is you buy your groceries. But, uh, you know, it, didn't, it hasn't always been that way. In fact, uh, mankind used to have to go out and hunt and gather their food in order to survive. But in this wasteland... These folks, uh, they, they experienced hunger. There wasn't anything to go out and hunt. And there was nothing to gather for themselves in this climate and atmosphere that they were in. So they were forced, if you will, to totally and entirely depend upon God. And the Lord came through for them miraculously. The Lord, the Bible says here, fed thee with manna. Fed thee with manna, that thou, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. In other words, nobody had ever experienced anything like this before. This was not anything that had happened, not anything that you could look back to and reflect upon and say, yeah, somebody else at some other generation has experienced this. This was an entirely new thing that was going on. And the Lord introduced this to them. And uh, the first time that we see manna uh, being coming with the Bible said the dew of the morning. Uh, 
this very ordinary happening, the do that we take for granted when we wake up in the morning, maybe even it's uh, an irritant, something irksome for us to have to deal with because it gets our shoes or our pants legs uh, wet. And, uh, but this very necessary thing, the do of the morning, and we take it for granted that it's going to be there every day. The dew of the morning, when they would walk out of their tents of the morning, they would see this manna spread across the ground. And it was a miracle, the Bible tells us. And in Exodus 16 and 31, when they tasted of this miraculous thing, the Bible said it was like wafers made with honey. It was sweet for them to taste. And no doubt they glorified God because after all, they had been through a period of not having anything to eat. And they were very hungry. You know, you can appreciate just about any kind of food if you've went without it. You're not so finicky if you've went without it for a long period of time. And so they were very thankful for it. And it was sweet to the taste. But then in Numbers chapter 11, we read a different story. By this period of time, they've had many years of living and surviving and being provided for with this manna. And they make the statement in verse 6 of chapter 11 of Numbers, there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. In other words, this miraculous thing, this miracle that happened for them daily, this experience that was so exciting and exhilarating and might even use the word sensational when it happened at first because it had never happened before. When they walked out and saw that miracle, they were taken aback, no doubt. And we know that there was many rules that went around and obligations that they had as far as manna was concerned and how they dealt and interacted with manna in order for it to provide for them what they needed. They couldn't store it up, but they had to gather it every day, and on the sixth day they would gather twice as much for the Sabbath day. And so they would be provided for on the Sabbath so that they would not have to work, which was one of the laws that they adhered to. And so we understand that now this miracle has become mundane. This unusual happening has become usual to them uh, the extraordinary if you will has become ordinary to them and they make the statement that basically we're tired of this all we can see is manna everywhere we look and we're not impressed by it anymore and in verse 8 two verses later it says that they ground it in their meals and baked it in pans and made cakes of it and notice this the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. It went from being something that was sweet, something that they enjoyed, something that when they first tasted of it, they were no doubt impressed with, something that they were hungry for, till now it just tastes so bland, it tastes like oil to us. We need to be careful that we don't allow the goodness of God, the mercies of God, the daily grace that the Lord extends to us, His Word, the privilege that we have of coming to His house, the many miracles of provision that He gives us, 
that we take so often for granted, his protection, his his care for us on a day-to-day basis. We need to be real careful that something sweet doesn't turn to the taste of oil to us. Oh, come on. Somebody say praise the Lord. Over a period of years, the challenge for you and I is just the same as the challenge was for them, that we don't allow church to become mundane. We don't allow being in the presence of the Lord to become usual to us or the extraordinary to become ordinary. But some way or another, we need to keep the significance on it. We need to keep the sacredness of it. We need to always be enthused and excited about the goodness of God in our life and the mercies of the Lord that are extended to us. The Bible said daily he loadeth us with benefits. Can anybody testify to that fact? Is anybody thankful for that? Is anybody appreciative of where he brought you from, what he's done for you? Amen. What you used to be, but you are no more not because of your own strength but because of the grace of God that has been extended to you in your life hallelujah come on let's clap our hands to the Lord notice notice how this taste changed as they grounded in their meals baked it in their pans, made it into cakes. They thought they were enhancing it. They thought they were going to make it taste better. They thought they were going to improve on something that God had given them as a miracle. I'm going to tell you, the more man gets involved in things, the more man tries to improve certain things that are sacred to God. The more man and flesh gets involved in certain things. The more flesh gets involved when there's a move of God in a church service. Because, of course, he moves upon us and he he uses uh, individuals to do that many times. He speaks through men. He anoints men and women. But the more that that flesh is unconsecrated, the more the taste begins to change into something that is bland instead of sweet. We've got to keep the power. We've got to keep the sweetness of the presence of God. We've got to keep the presence of the Lord flowing in an unadulterated way into the house of God because we need His power like we've never needed it. We need His presence like we've never needed it. We need to be able to come into church and plug in to the true and pure power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands and worship the Lord. And I might just go to work on this for a little while because because I see so much of this needing to be impressed stuff. I don't know what more there could be to impress one than Calvary. I don't know what more the Lord could do for any one of us but to extend to us mercy that we don't deserve. I don't know what we're waiting on to be impressed by, but we we continually, it's in our world, it's in our society, a sensationalism. You know, you see it everywhere you look. We have theme parks, and they're always building bigger and bigger roller coasters. I remember when I was just a child to get on a, little old roller coaster my dad nearly had to drag me up to it 
But, uh, you know, after I got on that one, I was looking for something bigger. And that's the mentality that sometimes that we can get in this world is that we've got to have more to feed this inward desire for sensationalism. We've got to be impressed a little bit more. It's got to be a little bit better. You get this object. You get this thing. God blesses you with this or that. And it doesn't seem that anybody can really be satisfied with the things that that God has blessed them with or maybe the things that they've attained in life. And if we're not careful, we can bring that same attitude into the church. We can bring it into our walk with God. I'm going to tell we ought to be impressed anytime we feel the presence of God we ought to be impressed just to know that he forgave me he washed me he gave me this truth he gave me an opportunity amen I don't need anybody pump prime me when I come to church to worship God or to lift my hands I don't have to have the preacher to get on a candy stick or my favorite subject for me to respond to the word of God because it's all impressive to me it's all powerful to me it's what me. It's what delivered me. The truth is what transformed my life and brought me to this point that I am. Amen. And so we have to take care. It's our responsibility. It's not anyone else's because the Lord has already done everything that he needs to do. It's us that has to adjust sometimes our attitude in it. God sustained them when they were nothing and nobody. But when they felt that they were somebody with something, suddenly they forgot. Spiritual amnesia, if you will, began to set in. And so I, I, I looked up and began to study some attributes of physical amnesia in people's lives. And uh, there's many causes, but I just want to go over a few that stood out to me that I feel parallel uh, what I'm talking about tonight spiritually. First of all, the number one leading cause for amnesia physically, which is temporary loss of memory or confusion is head trauma. Of course, you probably guessed that. Caused by a blunt blow to the head or by a fall. Somebody falls and takes a blow to the head. As I begin to consider that, I begin to think about life itself. Life has a lot of knocks. Life has its blows to us. And you're, you're not going to be able to escape the blows of life. You're not going to be able to escape the tough knocks of life. Uh, you, you can't live life bubble-wrapped. You, 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 life is not like that. Everybody, at one point or another, experiences life head-on, and troubles come. And uh, we, we understand that those of us that live for God and are full of the Holy Ghost, we have a comforter. We have the Holy Ghost. And we also have the strength that comes to be able to rebound from those things and overcome those situations. But uh, you, you, can't, you can't entirely escape the knocks and the blows of life. 
There's some things that are just that. They are just life. You can't attribute everything and spiritualize everything. Uh, I'm amazed at how people try to spiritualize every aspect of their life. And I'm like, no, that's not, God didn't have anything to do with that. And I doubt the devil had really anything to do with that. Because if you do certain things, there's what we call scripturally and theologically the law of the harvest. You make certain choices, they have certain consequences. And so you can't escape that. And so we can, we can bring trouble upon ourselves. Or by the lack of doing, the omission of certain things, we bring unnecessary trouble on ourselves. We sometimes don't have the discipline of praying until trouble comes. Is one of the illustrations that I could use about omission of certain things. We omit certain things from our lives when things are going good, when things are smooth, and all of a sudden... When we feel trouble has arisen in our life, suddenly when the trauma comes, we want to pray and we want to get a hold of God. And we don't really have any connection with Him or any reservoir that we've built up over time. And we, we, we've not maintained a relationship with God. So what do we end up doing? We find ourselves going back and trying to straighten out things that we should have been dealing with on a day-to-day basis. We find ourselves going back and repenting over things that we should have been repenting and dying daily about and staying submitted to the will of God. And so we regretfully have to go back and repair areas and in the process of time, things get worse if, if, if God is not allowed to intervene or because of our situation and our lack of uh, a relationship with him, we allow this to, to get into this kind of disrepair, then, then we're going back and having to fix all of those things. We have to go say we're sorry. We have to go straighten things out. We have to get that out of our hearts so that God can hear and answer our prayers when it would have been so much better if we had been consistent all along. And I believe that sometimes God allows us to fall on hard times to wake us up. And we should not view it as an attack of the devil because the Bible tells us that all powers of God and the powers that be are ordained of God. Even the devil, if you're a child of God, is on a leash. He can only go so far and sometimes he's a tool that that God allows to be used in our lives to drive us back to believe in God and trust in God and having faith in God like we should have been all along. Amen? And so uh, in, in, in dealing with the blows of life, uh, I'm going to talk about the remedies and the prevention measures here in just a moment, but that's one of the leading causes for physical amnesia, and it's one of the leading causes for spiritual amnesia. I will say this, that if a person continues to allow themselves to get in the same predicament that they continually have Trauma to the head. In other words, they continue to fall. And they continue uh, continue to fall in the same situation over and over again. That that would have been temporary damage suddenly turns into permanent damage. How many people that are athletes have we read about because they continued in a sport that was 
they, they were having injury after injury after injury. You can only absorb so many concussions. You can only take so many uh, blunt blows to your head before it, it goes from just being a, a temporary thing of, of having a little bit of memory lapse for a little while or confusion for a little while until the swelling on the brain goes down till now we've got a problem of dementia. Now we've got a problem that is set in because uh, of the continual blows and, and we've seen this play out many ways in people's lives. They have to deal with certain things because uh, they put their bodies in position in place that it never was really created for and because of that they suffer the consequences and so if you allow yourself to continually be put in that predicament in that situation and you don't learn from it and you keep falling down in the same pitfall in the same area you keep walking off the same ledge even though uh, you, 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 you should have learned from it the first time you should have learned from it when God gave you mercy to get out of that pit uh, you, you should not have went back to it and fell in it again but suddenly you find yourself here and you feel the blows and the knocks because of it and you didn't learn from it if you're not careful it turns in to permanent damage in your life. It gets to a place that it's unrecoverable. And it gets to a place that it's too broken. We read about in the book of Amos about a lamb that was taken by a lion. And the shepherd that went after it, which Amos was, the Bible says in this analogy, and he's talking about the condition of his people, or at least a segment of them, that he said all that could be recovered was it two legs and a piece of an ear. That's all. That's not enough to put back together and make a whole lamb. That's not enough to put back together and make something that is alive. There's no vital organs there. They've already been destroyed. They've been consumed by the lion. There's there's not enough there to bring life back. Oh, come on, help us to realize that once God has brought us out of certain things, we don't ever need to get the attitude of looking back at it and uh, gazing back at it with some kind of... of uh, uh, longing for it or some some attraction to it. Oh, the Bible tells us uh, that we need to hate those things that He delivered us out of. Uh, we need to despise those things uh, that He delivered us out of. We need to fully repent and die out to those things that He brought us out of. Because if you have a fondness for those things, you're going to fall for them again. If you have an attraction for those things, you'll end up in the same predicament again. And continual... Continual head trauma is going to lead to permanent trauma, permanent situation. And then I found this interesting. Another cause for physical amnesia is inflammation caused by infection. Inflammation of the brain caused by infection. And I begin to think about a world that we live in where it's so focused I mean, we have everything. We, we, we claim that, that third world countries and we look back to Greek mythology and we say, oh, those people, they're, they're the idolaters. Oh, we got plenty of idolatry right here 
in 21st century America. Matter of fact, we have this thing in America. I don't know a whole lot about it. I trust that you don't either. I hope you don't know much about it. Called American Idol. I was hoping you didn't answer me. American Idol. Can you imagine? And, and people idolize. I mean literally idolize entertainers, sports stars. Come on, let's get off all of that. Let's don't be paying attention to all of that too much. We shouldn't be paying attention to anything Hollywood produces in the first place. But you don't need to be consumed with, you know, it's uh, COVID just about took care of all these sports things. But uh, just in case it did not, I'm going to take care of the rest. Some of you get way too consumed with my team and college football and baseball. And boy, I just got to, it sounds like, it sounds like a Shriners convention in here. Little happy, clappy little deals. About three or four people can clap their hands. You know what that tells me? We got too many idols in Pentecost. Amen. Jesus is still the one that deserves all the glory. Do you believe that? All the praise. Praise God. Praise God. That's the word of the Lord. And so we're living in a day, in other words, of inflated egos. Who ever thought that these sports stars, they've had so much to say about so many things. Just because you can play basketball doesn't make you an authority on everything. Shut up and play basketball. Hello? Don't tell me how to live my life. You can't live yours. You've been married five, six, seven times, and the one you're with is not your own. Just because you got a billion dollars don't make you an authority on everything. Amen. This Word of God is what is the final authority. This is what needs to influence our life. Does that bug anybody else? It bugs me, man. It bugs me just because you're, you got a few fans, you suddenly think you're the authority on everything. That, that drives me crazy because that's not right. And so many people fall into that and are influenced by that instead of what's, what's right. And so we're living in a world of inflated egos. People get puffed up pretty easy. And, and I'm sure, again, that technology has exacerbated that, has made that worse instead of better. People get all puffed up and inflated. Inflammation takes place because they've got an infection called pride. When pride begins to get in your bloodstream when pride gets in your spiritual makeup and begins to eat on you and ego and, and all of that it inflates and swells you up until you get amnesia and you can't remember how good God's been to you and how blessed you are to be a part of the church of the living God. We, he, he told Saul he's, uh, through the prophet Samuel, he said, when you were small in your own eyes, 
you were blessed, you were anointed. But suddenly when you got swelled up, when you got inflated, there's nobody that could tell you anything. You, you knew everything, Saul. You suddenly realized who you were and the position that you had. Then I couldn't bless you anymore and I could not anoint you anymore. Inflation caused or inflammation caused by infection. And then the third one was the prolonged lack of oxygen, adequate oxygen to the brain. The lack of oxygen to the brain over an extended period of time causes amnesia. And of course, if it's cut off for too long, it can cause permanent damage. Somebody says, what does that have to do with where we're at? What we're talking about. I'm going to tell you there's a flow of the spirit. The breath of life is what we call it. The spirit of God is like a, like a breath of life upon us. And we cannot allow ourselves to be without it. We cannot have prolonged periods in our life where we're not renewed and refreshed in the Holy Ghost and touched by the power of God and renewed by the Spirit of God. That's why when we come into church, we need to say, God, I want you to fill me up. I want you, God, to, to breathe upon me. Help me, O oh Lord, to be in your presence and to receive from your presence and to receive your touch in my life because I need it. I can't survive. I can't live. That's what keeps me alive. This thing don't operate on personality. This thing doesn't I, I just hate to notify you this it doesn't operate on talent. It doesn't, it doesn't operate on education. It doesn't operate on intellect. It doesn't operate on IQ. This thing operates on the Holy Ghost. This thing right here operates on the power of God. The power of the Spirit. And without the influence of the Spirit, it won't work. Amen. We're just like any other people. Amen. Just like uh, Samson said. He said, I'll be like any other man if it's not for the anointing. I'm going to tell you, we'll be like everybody else up and down the road if it is it for the power of the Holy Ghost working in our midst. You never reach a point where you don't need the Holy Ghost. You don't need the power of God working and flowing and influencing your life. We all need it. And so let me talk about the preventatives in the same sequence or in the same order. If we're going to prevent ourselves from the blows and the knocks of life or we're going to take Protective measures, in other words, preventative measures. We're going to have to have protective gear. That's the only way that we can survive. And we talked a few weeks ago about the helmet of salvation. But we also understand that in Ephesians, Paul talked about putting on the whole armor of God so that you might be able to withstand. And he talked about it being in the evil day. If we're not living in the evil day, I don't know what day this is because we're certainly living in the evil day. We're living in a day when every moral is being challenged, every command of God is being challenged, the Word of God itself is being challenged, the sanctity of life is being challenged, the sanctity and the institution of marriage is being challenged, and it's almost being normalized in America today to be something other than a nuclear family. 
I'm preaching to you that we need the protective power of the whole armor of God. We need to be suited up. If we're going to survive in this world, we need to be suited up. If we're going to make it in this world, we're going to need to be suited up. The whole armor of God. Put it on. Put the helmet of salvation on. Amen. Get the truth. Get the word of God in your hand. Amen. Let your feet be shot with the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. Get on the whole armor of God. That's the only way you're going to survive. You can't, again, be inoculated from the blows of life. We've all had unexpected blows. We've all had disappointments. We've all had ups and downs. We've all had hills and valleys. But I'm so thankful that God has given us provision to protect us. And then when it comes to inflation or inflammation rather that is caused by the infection of pride, they say one of the best preventatives is to treat infections early. I knew of a man that had a small little place come up on his neck, just a little bump, and it turned into a minor infection. I mean, there was just a little irritated place, and then that grew. And of course, you know, it got more angry and more irritated, and he didn't do anything about it, refused to go to the doctor. Oh, it's, it's, it's minor. It's no big deal. And that infection, and we could all tell stories like this, I'm sure, went to his brain and took his life. Something that was very minor that could have been taken care of so easily. But because of an unwillingness to deal with it, I'm going to tell you, the sooner you can deal with things, the better. The sooner you can get to the altar. That's why the Bible said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let that set in there and eat on you and destroy you and bring havoc to your life. Destroy your life. Don't let it just resonate there and linger there and boil in you. Get it out. Deal with it. Somebody say, deal with it. And then, of course, prolonged lack of adequate oxygen. You got to keep the spiritual airways clear. Somebody can have some type of allergic reaction, or they could have something blocking their airways just for a little while. And it can cause, if not temporary, sometimes permanent damage you can't go very long with that flow being stopped and there's a lot of things that can stop the flow of the spirit that we are responsible to get those obstructions out of the way there's a lot of things that we need to deal with inwardly that God reveals to us through prayer and convicting us through his spirit and through the preaching of the word of God and we feel the need to deal with it. Don't allow it to continue to go on. Don't, don't, don't sit there and choke to death, in other words. 
But open up the flow and let the breath of life come in and let God deal with that and heal that situation in your life. It's so imperative. So we can see here that God is dealing with us in this passage of Scripture. He said, I fed them with manna, which thou knewest not. Never done anything like this before. But I was doing this to show you something, that you have to live not by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If I gave you a promise, I'm proving to you that I'm good for my word. Then he goes on to say, Raiment that wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. But thou shalt also consider thine heart, that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear or respect him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water and fountains and depths that spring out of the hills and are out of the valleys and the hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive, and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. And that is very, I don't know, intriguing to me. Without scarceness. In other words, you're not just eking out enough to survive. I'm going to tell you, when we're living in the flow of what God wants us to live in, we're not just getting by from Sunday to Sunday. We're not just getting by from week to week. If that is your relationship with God, you're not living in the fullness of it. You're not living in what God intended for you. There is more for you than that, could I say, than to just live in a survival mode or in a survival mentality of just getting by from week to week or if I can survive until... If there's always the threat of backsliding, if there's always the threat, well, I may throw up my hands if things don't go just like I need them to go. I may give up or throw in the towel. Well, uh, something you're missing. There's, there's something you didn't get a hold of. There's something that you're not grasping in all of this. Somewhere you need to get a hold of it. You need to redig this thing. You need to go back to the source of this thing. You need to get a hold of it like you need to because you're not living to the fullness of what God has in store for you. And I was reading, and I looked at the book of Psalms, and the 124th Psalm stood out to me. It says, if I, or if it had not been for the Lord, and we've often quoted this scripture, who was on my side. And then it goes on down in verse 2 and makes the same state. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. If it had not been for the Lord that was on our side. Now may Israel say. In other words, and then he begins to list these things. And he talks about these things. He said, when men rose against us. Then they shall. They had, then they had swallowed us up quick. Then their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul if the Lord hadn't been on our side. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who had not given us 
as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. And the snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He said when men rose up against us, if it had not been for the Lord that was on our side, we'd have been meat between their teeth. In other words, we would have been devoured by them. If, if, if it had not been for the Lord that was on our side, the floodwaters would have overcome us. If it had not been for the Lord that was on our side when the enemy put a trap out there and we stepped into it, it would have caught us up and we would have been taken and destroyed because of it. But he broke the snare and he helped us to rise above the waters and he delivered us from the men that were trying to devour us. He was on our side. He was working for us. He was taking care of us. He was providing for us. He was He was taking care of our needs in every situation. He said, I'll be there. I'll take care of you. I'll watch over you. I'll provide for you. I'll protect you. I'm preaching to somebody here today. It's time for us to now say that God has been on my side and I'm thankful. When we come to the house of God and the opportunity is given, we ought to lift up our hands and and say, now I want to say, God, how thankful I am. Through this week you kept me. Through the last few months you've kept me. You watched over me. You provided for me. When it looked like I was going down, in other words, when it looked like I was going to be destroyed, you rose up and helped me in the midst of it all. You elevated me and you blessed me in the midst of it all. Would you stand to your feet right now? Raise your hand and say, now I want to say, God, that I'm thankful. Now I want to say, God, how appreciative I am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How how can one recover? I'll tell you how one can recover from spiritual amnesia is to turn and give thanks to God, is to have deliberate, uh, deliberate recollection of all that God has done for them. Deliberate recollection of all the goodness of God in their life and the grace that God has extended to them. Matter of fact, if you've got to, sit down. And if you must, write it down. Say, God, here's all the things that I remember and I'm so thankful that you've done for me in my life. You've been better to me than what I deserve. You've given to me more than what I could ever express to you in things. Come on, is there any blessed folks in this house? Are you thankful that you got the Holy Ghost? Are you thankful that you know the truth? Are you thankful that God delivered you from bondage some of you are you thankful for where God brought you amen if you're not thankful for where he brought you from you're you're subject to go back to it if you're not thankful for all that God has done for you amen and the things that he's helped you with and the prayers that he's answered and the provision that he's given and the protection that he's offered come on is there anybody that's thankful is there anybody that is appreciative God shake us and startle us if it were as it were spiritually help us to realize God we 
have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be appreciative of. I want to deliberately recount the things that you've done for me. I want to go over the long list of blessings in my life. I want to thank you again for how that you've taken care of my needs and watched over me.